the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Smooth like butter, sweet like honey. Looks so good like she made of money. She's blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. wind of the Democratic Party, they hyperventilate on their yoga mats. Yeah, they do. Happy Friday Eve. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you guys here with me on this Friday Eve edition. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, indeed. What a great lineup of, 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 of topics we have for you guys. Some great guests for you guys tonight. So you're going to want to stay tuned for all two hours. Is two hours too much to ask? I don't think so. 888-344-1170. 888-344-1170. That's the live call-in uh, number for you guys tonight. You can always email me at andreakshow.com. I always like to read emails. We are streaming live right now on the Facebook pages of the of the Answer San Diego, as well as on Twitter. And I like to read the comments throughout the show. Sometimes I have a chance to uh, um, actually read them back to you guys. We'll see if we can. I'm, I'm hearing that there's some sound issues on the Facebook. Look, I think it's good on our end. So if you're having any troubles listening on Facebook, it, it's probably on your end there because I think it's good here. Or it could be Christopher Ray because did y'all get a little uh, glimpse or a little listen of what he had to say at the World Economic Forum? We're going to be talking about that tonight. Justice. Lady, Lady Justice, it's supposed to be, isn't the blindfold supposed to be about justices blind, right? Isn't that what it's supposed what to be? Here. Well, it, it, justice is supposed to be blind. It's not supposed to be stupid. And it's certainly not supposed to insult the intelligence of us like SCOTUS did today. We're going to talk about that. And speaking of justice, is it about to be served in New Mexico against one of the most obnoxious lefties out of Hollywood, Alec Baldwin? I cannot wait to bring in Dr. Wendy Patrick, who is a legal analyst, to uh, share with you guys what you need to know about the charges that Alec Baldwin is going to be facing. You know, I don't usually gloat like this over somebody's misfortune, um, but I'm certainly excited when I see somebody who deserves to be smacked in the face by the hand of Lady Justice when it involves the death of a mother at his reckless hands. And so I'm glad about that story. 888-344-1170. Before I go any further, got to bring in my brother. It's DJ Potato Skin. DJ Potato Skin. DJ Potato Skin. Get him out of here. Always nice to see somebody that has to uh, live up to uh, the crimes that they've committed, not just get away with it. Yeah. Um. Okay. First of all, I want to start the show. I, you're, you're a big music guy. Uh, David Crosby has passed away at the age of 81. Were you a big fan of Crosby, Stills, I mean, and Nash? not my favorite, but was one of my dad's favorites, so I grew up listening to, to that group together. Okay. Um, yeah, not a big fan uh, myself. 
of um, his music. So um, he is a legend, just like I'm not a fan of Taylor Swift. But you know what? I can't deny the talent because somebody can't be selling that many records if there is not some talent. Just not my jam. So if you are David Crosby, if you did love and dig his music, um, then I, I we always want to extend prayers to family and loved ones of those who've lost somebody, everybody, whether they're a big famous musician or not. Look, we are. I am seeing all the comments from multiple people about uh, sound issues. We're going to check on that during the break just to make sure um, that it, that if we can make any adjustments here on the Facebook live stream, we will do so. Wait for the break for that, though, because we got much to get into. Okay, so um, speaking of justice being... Blind. It's not supposed to be blind. Uh, it's not supposed to be stupid and actually insulting our intelligence. And that's that's the story coming out of SCOTUS today. I'm supposed to believe that with nine justices and each one of them having about, I don't know, 10 to 12 staffers or, you know, interns or whatever they call the little clerks that help the SCOTUS, that help the justices. I'm supposed to believe their report today that came out stating that they're unable to find who the leaker was. This has gone on since last May. Why is it? First of all, um, do you guys believe that? 888-344-1170. Do you actually believe that they were unable to find, out of what, about 75, 80 people, they were unable to find who the leaker was? How, how are you unable to find who leaked out a draft of probably the most important decision, certainly the most important decision in my lifetime, if not in this country's history, because of what Roe v. Wade did to this country and the overturning of it being as historic as it was. I'm supposed to believe that they couldn't find the leaker. If that's true, there is a level of incompetence in the Supreme Court of the United States that renders them completely worthless to me at this point. I have absolutely no trust in the institution at all at this point. As Andy Biggs said, his response to this was either they didn't want to know or they know who it is and they're covering it up. This is inexcusable. On top of the fact that they did their own investigation. Usually when somebody investigates themselves, it's because there's a cover up going on, right? Do we let do we let do we let you know criminals investigate themselves? No, we bring in detectives, right? I mean, I don't I don't know how far the Supreme Court is from the off FBI offices or, or other offices, but you know it's not like they couldn't get in an Uber, drive over, do some investigating. Barney Five could have figured this one out. And if and if and if uh, so, if if the top law enforcement agency couldn't figure it out. Then we need to dismantle the FBI on top of it. This is this is inexcusable. Of course, they've come out to say that there's new protocols have been put in place. Well, how can you put protocols in place to ensure that it doesn't get leaked again if you don't know how it was leaked in the first place? And if you knew how it was leaked in the first place, then you then you had to have known who did it. It ain't hard. It's really not hard at all. And then on top of it, this leak threatened the lives of people who worked in pro-life clinics. We had all kinds of, we had bombings of pro-life clinics. 
We had Supreme Court justices' lives threatened. We actually had assassination plots as a result of this leak. And yet they're trying to convince me and the rest of this country that they can't figure out who did it. Who's watching that movie? Who's believing that crap? This is absolute nonsense. Josh Hawley said the person who did this, whoever it was, put at risk the lives of hundreds of pregnancy care volunteers whose centers were attacked and firebombed to say nothing of the justices themselves. Um, And my man, Andy Biggs, says, how haven't we been able to identify the Dobbs leaker? This is either pure incompetence or willful conduct to hide the leaker. Either way, it's a colossal failure. Well, no, that would make them corrupt. That would make them part of a cover up of what's gone on. And if we have the Supreme Court of the United States of America involved in a cover up of this kind of breach of trust, then I mean, what do we do? We do do we do we get rid of all of them and start all over with new justices? We can't exactly do that because we've got a Democrat as as president. What do we do? And then you add this, and then I'm thinking today. We had we had this we we had this case recently of New York uh, doing all kinds of legislation that completely violates the Second Amendment, and the Supreme Court just said, "Oh yeah, yeah, New York, you can get away with doing that." How compromised is this court because of this leak? Because the purpose of the leak was not just to. Uh, and remember, the leak was a draft, and the purpose of, of the leak was not just to try to intimidate the justices in terms of the decision over overturning Roe v. Wade, but, the, but it was also about intimidating them on future decisions. So now every decision that they make going forward is questionable. It's questionable whether or not they've been intimidated, successfully intimidated. Now, you, would, you could say to yourself, well, you know, they, they ended up doing the right thing and holding firm on the Roe v. Wade. Um, but this, there is something seriously wrong here that our highest court of the land is hiding the name of the leaker. I'm going to read a few comments here on uh, Facebook Live. Frankie says the leaker stuff is BS. Someone knew something. Um, uh, Donna says that the story she saw was that the staff was questioned, but not the justices. Right. I mean, whatever went down, this was not a proper investigation. And whoever did this was rewarded, which means now there's no privacy and there's no security for the justices, no security for the decisions. And they do not have the ability to um, to um, I can't think of the, the legal term terminology for it, but to weigh these decisions in privacy. Yasmin says they know they're keeping their mouth shut. Again, the left is protected and untouchable. Absolutely. Uh, Yasmin also says, remember, patriots, we have the victory in the end. Absolutely. We've got to stay hopeful in remembering that all of this is 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 a part of the plan. And we, we know we win in the end. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. The breaking news today. People didn't think it was going to happen. They did not think that Alec Baldwin was going to ever face any consequences. And, and I'm not even saying he's going to be convicted. But let me tell you, this man does not want to be dragged through a court, and he's about to be. Two charges, two counts of, of involuntary manslaughter are facing Alec Baldwin. And my favorite legal analyst, Dr. Wendy Patrick, will be here to share with you everything you need to know about the case and whether or not Alec Baldwin might be in stripes behind some bars. Stay tuned. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. It has been well over a year since Helena Hutchins was shot and killed on the set of Rust in New Mexico. That happened on October 21, 2021. And there were many people that felt that justice was never going to be served here. Many people felt that that Alec Baldwin and others absolutely should be held responsible for her death, that it was not just an accident. It was one of negligence. But given where we are in this country, and also historically, right, when it comes to celebrities, uh, was there ever going to be justice served in this case? And it looks as though it's, it's going to be served, at least in the sense that now uh, actor Alec Baldwin will be charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter in the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins and um, already assistant director Dave Hall signed a plea agreement for a charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon which gave him a lesser sentence and many people are saying that and speculating that that's really what set up that him pleading that deal was him cooperating with local authorities and giving information about what went on on the set in order to lay the groundwork for Alec Baldwin to be charged. But that's just speculation. And I am not an attorney, certainly not a prosecutor or criminal defense attorney. But you know what? I happen to be friends with one of the smartest ones out there. And it's Dr. Wendy Patrick. And she joins me now. Hello, Wendy Patrick. Thanks for being here tonight. Hey, Andrea, it's always a pleasure to join you. Okay, so um, there's so much that we could talk about here. I want to start with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. I'm wondering, it was one bullet that killed her. There was no charges in relation to the fact that the director actually um, was hit as well. Why two counts and why involuntary manslaughter? Well, the counts are charged in the alternative. So, in other words, um, Alec Baldwin could be guilty of both. He could only be sentenced on one. Here's the difference between the two counts. The first involuntary manslaughter charge, that requires negligence, failure to exercise appropriate care in doing something. Here, obviously, would be handling the firearm. The second involuntary manslaughter charge is, is basically requires the, the commission of a lawful act in a reckless manner. That has a firearm enhancement on it, which would really mandate five years in prison should he be convicted of that and the enhancement. So as you can see, you know, charge number two is a lot more serious than charge number one, but the jury has the option of finding a state of criminal negligence, which is more than mere negligence, or recklessness. And, you know, the reason we have these two charges instead of a murder charge is nobody thinks Alec Baldwin did it intentionally. Nobody believes that. So involuntary manslaughter is an unintentional killing. That was the right charge uh, per the DA, who was very circumspect in, in describing exactly what she considered in finally bringing these charges. And for the victim and the family, you know, justice delayed is not necessarily going to now be justice denied because now there's a criminal case proceeding. Yeah, and and watching interviews with this district, district attorney today, I was really struck by a, by a few things. Uh, the uh, obviously the amount of work and investigation that she had done into what was happening on the set, and I and I wondered if that w- meant that some of the speculation that assistant uh, AD assistant director David Hall 
all he pled out a while ago and that information uh, and those details about what was going on in the set fed why she felt so strongly that he needed to be charged that this was not just an accident that he and he was not and she also made it very clear that he was not just an actor this is not a situation where an actor is handed a gun and it goes off like oh gee what happened there and he's just an innocent bystander in in, in the situation that not only is he an actor an, an actor who pointed a gun at somebody and pulled the trigger even though he claimed in an ABC interview he didn't he was also the producer and this set had many issues in production and she she talked about it today about how it was fast and loose how there were uh, there were uh, discharges happening on set live rounds on set when they weren't supposed to be there the people had quit complaining about safety issues so uh, so I, I'm so glad that give it that this is and that's why people can get confused thinking well it, it, he didn't mean to do it it was an accident um, no he didn't he did not set out to kill this woman but there was a whole lot of things that was going on on that set that was happening that laid the groundwork before he ever was handed that gun and pulled the trigger yeah that that's great it's really good analysis andrea because you know this could just be a battle of the experts in trial as you need to safety standards on set and what people should and shouldn't do you know the bottom line in terms of celebrity justice as you queued up very nicely at the beginning lady justice is blind alec baldwin isn't and he should have looked at the gun and yeah. he's the one that pulled the trigger. I mean, everybody is liable to some extent for themselves not looking. But you also show that his joint role, I mean, that could potentially lend itself to an argument that he has greater culpability. I mean, surely that's a, that was the case in the civil um, in the civil arena. By the way, there are still civil cases going back and forth as people continue to point the fingers. But one of the other things that this prosecutor made clear is that those civil cases are not going to bear upon what happens in criminal court. Mm. This is about the facts and the evidence that back up those two charges of involuntary manslaughter. And you reference the, the, uh, the, the Pop- I almost said Papadopoulos, so I'm so used to talking politics with you. George Stephanopoulos uh-huh. interview, different uh, different last name, where he said, look, I didn't pull the trigger. Well, one of the other things that the DA cited in the press conference is an FBI analysis shows the trigger was pulled. Yeah. So he did pull the trigger. Now, Alec Baldwin, on his, on his part, he sort of backed off of that a little bit. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. There's, there's nobody that can even imagine how bad he must feel over what he did. And he's probably even second, second guessing, well, you know, did I pull the trigger? What did I do? I caught the hammer. That is why the preliminary hearing is going to give us so much more insight and reveal all the details that we wish we knew. Now, Andrea, one thing I think you and I will be talking about down the line is whether or not we think Alec Baldwin is going to take the stand. Because this man is no shrinking violet. He got right out in front of the story and started mm-hmm. doing interviews, mm-hmm. no doubt to the chagrin of his lawyers. Oh, yeah. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. One thing that the DA really did say that I think um, will put everybody's mind at ease is, you know, this is going to proceed. The first hearing is just going to be to, you know, there's not going to be an arrest. There's not going to be a perp walk. She didn't say that. That's kind of my, my, my take on the, the way that she queued up what's coming next. This is going to work its way through the system. There are no winners. It's tragic for everyone. 
and they're just going to get through it and make sure justice is served. We're talking to Wendy Patrick, legal analyst Wendy Patrick, about the charges facing Alec Baldwin. I'm glad you brought up um, the uh, one of the first things I said today was I'm ready to see the perp walk. Well, she made it clear (laughs) (laughs) that that's not really what happens in these cases. Yeah, actually, it's going to be, I guess, uh, something like an arraignment would be the next step. And that that even can and, and he's across the country and that can even happen via Zoom. And then that's when there will also be a discussion about entering. That's when there will be an entering of a plea not guilty and there will be discussions of you know conditions of release so we're not going to get to see Alec Baldwin slapped in cuffs he's not going to be Roger Stone Roger Stone dragged out of his house at 5 a.m. in front of CNN cameras Um, there's a special prosecutor that was appointed and I'm curious about that because I thought okay a DA is going to prosecute this Uh, here's what Andrea I'm going to call her Andrea so we know who we're talking about here versus me Andrea she said quote the evidence clearly shows a pattern of criminal disregard for safety on the Rust film set. In New Mexico, there's no room for film sets that don't take our state's commitment to gun safety and public safety seriously. How often, I thought this was interesting, How because it's a little bit different, because now she's talking about the implications for the state and for film productions. How often is a special prosecutor brought in for this kind of an involuntary manslaughter situation? And, and why do you think that's the case here? Well, I would want to hear it straight from them. Uh, I wouldn't want to speculate because there are lots of different reasons why you select a particular prosecutor for a particular case. You know, the defense bar does the same thing. But it's also interesting, you bring up really a policy concern behind this whole case that people are watching very closely. The issue being, how will this impact the way other film sets are run, even if they're low budget. I mean, there is no crew that wants to sacrifice safety for speed. Everybody agrees on that. But it's also very unusual to have live ammunition on a set. So the statement about the special prosecutor included these background policy issues that really underscore both of the uh, mens rea, is what we call them in the criminal sphere, Mm -hmm. the mental states, the intent that was present when the trigger was pulled. Negligence, criminal negligence for the count one, involuntary manslaughter, recklessness for the second. And that statement about why they're appointing who they're appointing included this this background issue and really the public commitment to gun safety, whether or not you're making a movie on and off the set. And you can bet that film sets around the world are now checking and double checking Mm -hmm. every weapon that they are using. Because Andrea, this is not the first time. Remember Bruce Lee's son in 1993? Oh yeah. Killed on set almost in the same fashion. So it's not the first time, but all filmmakers want it to be the last time. Um, any chance that he might plead this out? Yeah, I've been asked that all day long. You yeah. know, Sorry for a less than original question. <laughs> no, no, your questions are great. But of course, that's one of the most important questions people are asking. I mean, after all, you know, one of the producers took a plea bargain to a misdemeanor negligent yeah. handling of a firearm. You know, it, that's one thing that nobody is showing their hand yet. Um, because, you know, it's, it's always a possibility in any case that the size will talk behind the scenes. Um, but we haven't heard anything about that yet. So what I would want to do is follow the story after the first court appearance as we go towards prelim. And then we'll probably have seen some of that discussion behind the scenes. You know, the defense attorneys were tipped off in advance, but they normally wouldn't plead out a case this soon. So we'll follow right. that and see um, what evidence that we see at prelim or whether or not there are discussions before prelim that would make this case settle. I would have to imagine that those defense attorneys are not going to want that big mouth 
uh, Alec Baldwin's uh, audio tapes or videotapes of interviews in which he blamed her. Um, for what happened to be played in court, right. because I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, the whole celebrity thing kind of goes out the window when you've got a blowhard sitting there blaming the victim. Well, she's the one who, who told me to point the gun in the direction. I mean, he literally said that in an interview when he would also yeah. when, when he was asked by Stephalulu or whatever. I, I, I know it's a good name. Well, you know, um, if, if he felt bad, you know, if he felt guilty, well, no, somebody else is responsible for it, but it's not me. I mean, it was like, what? I mean, just the complete lack of compassion. I just can't imagine any defense attorney uh, wanting wanting him to wanting this to go to trial because I can't imagine it would work out good for him. But when one of the counts is up to five years, that's got to be a motivator to plead. But he's going to be hoping he can plead it with no jail time. And I don't know if that's possible. Um, Could he be facing up to five years and plead it out with no jail time at all? Well, you know, you, you mentioned the um, the interviews that he did. He was very defensive and trying to get out in front of the story. I remember also the absolute devastation on his face right after it happened. So, you know, we see this in many types of accidental, unintended killings where you have somebody just devastated and, and trying to survive. So there's really a mix of emotions that any jury would no doubt go through in seeing that footage. But you're correct in that the defense attorney's goal would be, we don't want him seeing that footage. And we don't want him seeing the inside of a courtroom. Right. We want to see if we can plead this thing out. Um, so I, I don't know what the what the DA's office is thinking. I don't want to guess because remember, as much as they revealed during the press conference, that is probably not the tip of the iceberg right. as to what they know about the case. It's kind of like the feds. They say, you know, they know what right. you did before you do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably want to hear a little bit more uh, about the strength of the, the evidence. We do know that the prosecutor's case is very strong because she said that yeah. in the press conference. Um, yeah. So l- let's see where this goes. Well, we can see from the reaction from uh, Baldwin's attorneys that it's defiant and in and, and, and keeping with his interviews lacking compassion. They said, quote, this decision distorts Helena Hudgens, Hudgens' tragic death and represents a terrible miscarriage of justice. Mr. Baldwin had no reason to believe there was a live bullet in the gun or anywhere on the movie said he relied on the professionals with whom he worked who assured him the gun did not have live rounds. We will fight these charges and we will win. I'm no attorney, but to me, I think that was a mistake to come out and to try to use her death and try to try to try to manipulate to emotionally manipulate as though this as though these charges somehow you know um are disrespectful to her i to me that's a mistake to take that angle and then i would not have addressed any any of these other issues there i i wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have stated that myself i would have just said you know mr baldwin still suffers you know emotionally with what happened and his heart aches for her um however you know he still believes in his innocence and you know we look forward to resolving this i would have said it's something along those lines not you know to, to me, this was just spitting, continued spitting in the face of the victims. Final thoughts, uh, Wendy Patrick, 30 seconds. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really difficult um, for everybody involved in this case. And sometimes the tension is between making statements that benefit your respective client and being mindful and sensitive to the horrible nature, the mm-hmm. tragedy that happened here. So um, as this proceeds, you're right in that that analysis as to how do you strike the balance of the right tone mm-hmm. um, is going to be increasingly important. So we'll see more of this. Well, thank you for being here. And of course, you're going to be back all along the way, given the you best bet. analysis anywhere. Thanks for being here, doll. 
Thank you. All right. I'm going to quickly go to the phones because Jack has been waiting patiently. He's been wanting to chime in and comment on this Baldwin situation. Hello, Jack. What are your thoughts, my dear? Well, I worked in the movie business from 1968 to 1990, and I worked in the property department, so I worked with property masters and set decorators. Oh, cool. I love prop masters. Well, actors don't check the weapons, and there's Mm -hmm. a reason for that. It's because... Well, there's also armorers in in addition to the prop masters. So, yeah, I mean, um, although... um Actually, it's it, most actors, and, and I have family disclosure myself in, in the movie industry that actually are involved in the armorer position and involved in some of this stuff. And the actors all still check the weapons, and then they all still don't point don't point at, and and at anyone directly and pull the trigger. Well, I have to disagree with you because most actors are like most people. Uh, they don't know anything about guns. In fact, it may be the first time they've handled a gun. They wouldn't be able to tell you if you had a blank or a live round. Okay, good point. But before I take a break, that doesn't excuse him as a producer. See, ultimately, as I started the segment with, is the fact that he was not just an actor, he was actually the producer. That's really why he's being charged. He might have a problem because I think he was running a non-union show, and the uh, armorer stated that she also worked for the set decorator. She was a set dresser. All pointing to the fact that, right. She didn't have really any experience as an armorer. Yeah. So that could fall on uh, the executive producer, which he was one of them. Right. So that, so the point is when you're, when you are, um, when you are the owner and operator of Krispy Kreme donuts and you don't have good safety going on there and somebody falls in a vat of frying oil instead of the donuts, that's on you as the operator and the manager of the Krispy Kreme donuts. And that's the situation here. Because when you're an actor and you're handed a weapon, and you may not have any experience with weapons and ammunition. But, right, but he wasn't an actor. Tell you it's he, good to go. Right. You rely on that. That's, That's all not, you have right, to right. rely on is that. Right, but he was not. The reason why he's being charged is because he was a producer. And as she said clearly, there was problems with safety on the set, and he knew about it. And it's all on him as the producer. And that's why it's wrong of him. I get why he's trying to take the position of I'm just an actor who was handed a gun and told it was you know it was cold and that's not an excuse for him in this case because he was, was the producer Jack thanks for calling in I'm so past the point of a break Skins is going to kill me here Okay. He's, Skins is going to come and uh, no I'm not going to say that <laughs> if I don't get out of here take a break thanks for calling in Jack we're going to take a break we'll be back you're listening to the Andrea K show on the answer San Diego to tonight's welcome back to tonight's Andrea K show. So we've got uh, some breaking news recently on uh uh these shots, right? We've had um the CDC announcing that they were going to investigate the link between these shots and um heart issues, but they were going to focus on those 65 and up, right? We've now uh according to uh the just the news Pfizer and Fauci staffers has signed off on research um, that found that mRNA COVID shots produce worse antibodies. In other words, now you know why 
um, the more shots you get, the more likely you're going to get COVID and get a worse case of it because it's it's basically um, there it's gene therapy that's manipulating your body, injecting you with a virus that then is 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 just making you sicker. Right? We've got that going on, and then on top of it. Um, and by the way, you can you can read this article at justthenews.com. There's been multiple story, uh, studies here. Um, there was two peer-reviewed German studies that found that mRNA vaccines, the vast majority of what are in the U.S. market, induce worse antibodies compared to traditional adenovirus vaccines. The first paper published in Science Immunology December 22nd focused on mRNA boosters, while the second published in Frontiers in Immunology January 12th found the same association with two-dose primary series. Right. So so, you know, what we have had going on here is we've had these shots that were pushed out, not properly tested in clinical trials. And the entire world has been guinea pigs. And then even after it was obvious that there were problems with these shots, they've continued to try to push them out on more and more and more people, including children. And we had a two year old. Oh, and then on top of these shots being a problem, then it was God gave you two arms so you can get the covid shot in one arm and your regular flu shot in the other. There was a two-year-old child who died one day after receiving both the COVID shot and the annual flu shot. This took place in, uh, I think this was in, uh, this was in New Hampshire. The child was vaccinated on December 15th, died the next day on December 16th. Here's the Pfizer CEO refusing to answer questions about problems with COVID shots. uh, Clip nine. Mr. Borla, can I ask you? When did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. I'm sorry. To that question. I mean, we, we now know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission, but why did you keep it secret? You said it was 100% effective, then 90%, then 80%, then 70%. But we now know that the vaccines do not trans- stop transmission. Why did you keep that secret? Have a nice day. I won't have a nice day until I know the answer. Why did you keep it a secret that your vaccine did not stop transmission? Is it time to apologize to the world, sir, to give refunds back to the countries that poured all their money into your vaccine that doesn't work, your ineffective vaccine? Yeah, you have a little bit around are you not ashamed of what you've done in the last couple of years? Do you have any apologies to the public, sir? Let's go ahead and stop it. This went on and on and on for a better five minutes. It's about time that these people were, I mean, that's not even, I mean, quite frankly, they should, they should all be those that participated in hiding the truth about these shots and inflicting them on, on the public around the world. It's about time that they actually be held accountable. This, you know, the fact that he was made uncomfortable in an interview, um, it was good. It's about time that happened. But we actually need, uh, we need prosecutions of people because when you, when you are hiding the truth about a, pro- a product that you are, are pushing as, um, you know, promoting health when what it does is kill people, that's crime. I'm disappointed in what Donald Trump had to say about this. I don't, uh, you have the, uh, do you have that clip in front of, yeah, it's clip six. Well, what I did is, first of all, there were no mandates with me, and I had absolutely no mandates, and the governors were allowed to do what they want. Most most Republican governors did the right thing, and most Democrat governors didn't, you know, with the lockdowns and all the other things they did, including uh, their views of the vaccine. What I did, I was able to get something approved that, you know, has 
proven to save a lot of lives. Some people say I saved 100 million lives worldwide. But I was able to get that done in nine months versus uh, versus five years to 12 years, if it ever got done. I got the FDA to do things that they... It was, it was pretty amazing what we were able to do. But as far as using it, as far as the utilization, I never demanded anybody use it. I never had a mandate. If Trump wants to get the nomination in 2024, let alone win, he needs to knock that crap off. Because that's just, it's not following the data. I get that he's somebody that wants to tout success as he's going back in to to run for office. But this is not a success. People are dying. Best case, it doesn't work. Worst case, people are dying. That's not a success. And it's not exactly smart politics to be trying to claim that you saved 100 million lives by pushing out a shot in nine months that normally takes 12 years because there's a reason why these shots normally take, of true vaccines, take that many years to bring to market because it's about protecting public safety. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Going to go to the phones. Roger's on the line. He's got some uh, news to share with you guys. Speaking of the shots. Hey, Roger, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Hey, Andrea, thanks so much for having me on. Um, I gave you guys a, a report uh, several months ago that we were being uh, persecuted with the San Diego Community College District. I um, want to give you an update on that. Three um, people, two, uh, one professor, one counselor, and one um, uh, lab tech were terminated today uh, with religious exemptions. We found out last week that um, the district was granting accommodations so that people with medical exemptions could work, but not people with religious exemptions. So that's been huge news. Um, the district has refused to back down. Uh, there's seven more of us who have received um, termination letters, and it's just a matter of their going through and terminating the other seven of us. It's absolute tyranny. This is just complete communistic crap, Roger. These shots don't stop anybody from getting it or giving it. And so this is just a mechanism for power. And, and it's just, it should not be happening in the United States of America. Just absolutely shouldn't. And, Thank you for that. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully there's legal recourse here, you know, um, and, and hopefully somebody will take up like Pacific Justice uh, Center or somebody might take up the case for these people because you should have the right in this country to decide since I mean, the, <clears throat> especially since the CDC has already admitted that you don't treat the those who've gotten the shots any differently than anybody who ha- whether you have or haven't gotten them everybody's to be treated the same now the CDC has already come out and said that so there's no other explanation for firing somebody but discrimination to me exactly. it's to me it's discrimination and i don't understand why that's being allowed so hopefully somebody would take up the case i'm glad you brought that to our attention because And this is why back when this first started happening, we needed to push back and say no, no to the lockdowns, no to shutting down the schools, no to masks. If we had just everybody had pushed back from the beginning, it could have never gotten to the point to where somebody's job was in jeopardy, whether or not they got a shot that was pushed out too soon. Amen. And um, Mike Yoder... Who uh, represented Let Them Breathe uh, mm-hmm. against San Diego Unified School District, and I believe he won that case and got the mask mandate 
um, uh, dissolve, at least if, if, at one point. Um, I, I've been in contact with him, and we're um, praying that he'll take our case because he's a really, really sharp lawyer. Well, hopefully he will, and um, and just going to pray for, and, and God bless the courage of those that are standing by their convictions and saying, no, we're, we're not going to get this. And it also, to me, it, it's, it's discriminatory. Um, not just because it's too, it, it's it's discriminating against the unjabbed versus the jabbed, but also oh we're gonna, it's okay for those to not get jabbed because of a medical exemption, but not a religious one. So I also see an element of anti um, First Amendment rights at play there as well, don't you? Absolutely, and the the funny thing is is that um uh, the district has kept all of this quiet. They have they have not told us any more information than they absolutely have to. Um, so that's been really, really bad. Um, I was wondering, um, I don't know if it would help or not. Um, KUSI was there today. I got a hold of them yesterday at three o'clock in the afternoon. They took up the uh, story and they were there filming live at the board meeting today, which was really awesome. Um, I was wondering if, uh, if I, it's possible to email skins a list of, um, the board members and their email addresses and ask the listeners if they so, feel so inclined to look at that list on, um, Andrew k.com and see uh, if they want to email the um, board members of San Diego Community College District. You don't have to live in San Diego to email them and ask them to stop this uh, persecution of Christians. That's a great idea. Email me at andreakshow.com and I'll make sure that I get that list. I'll put, post it on the socials. I'll read it out here on the show. we got to start pushing back against this. We've got to get active. It's not enough for us to just send our, our sympathies and extend our you know well wishes and prayers for these people that are being victimized because they haven't gotten the shot. we got to get active. we got to start putting some pressure. These people need to start to be made to feel uncomfortable. Look, look, they're terrorizing. People like that are terrorizing. They don't care how uncomfortable, miserable, broke, or whatever they do to their victims when they fire somebody like this. We should be making them uncomfortable. We should make it easy for this kind of tyranny to take place in the United States. So, Roger, thank you for calling in. Do email me at andreakshow.com, and I'll make sure we get that list out to, to the listeners, and we, we all got to start working the phones. Thank you so much, and thank, God bless. Thank you. God bless you as well. And Andrea, this is just a, a just a, a classic case. You have everybody that says, "Well, the tyranny's over." You know, the, people, the government has, has mm-hmm. eased back. It has not gone away. Mm-mm. No, is it has not, and it's never going to. In fact, one of the things that was mentioned—I don't think we have time to play the clip now—but I think over at World Economic Forum, Tony Blair. Oh yeah, the World Economic Forum, Tony Blair. Um, oh, uh, all right, if we got time, go ahead and play the clip, my man. I think there's a huge impetus now for a national digital infrastructure. Digitization in, in healthcare is, I think, one of the great game changers. You know, we should be helping countries to develop a national digital infrastructure, which they will need with these new vaccines. And then, you know, finally, it, it, it's, it's also about showing people and showing the political leadership that you can make a positive difference to your healthcare system by adopting these measures because they've got a they've got an impact beyond any particular disease and or or, or pandemic. Right. See these digital footprints that we can use to control everybody's lives. It's not just for COVID nineteen. It's for everything coming down the pike. How fabulous is this? Right. That's why they're never going to stop because it was never about a virus. It was always about control. 
right? And especially using that, get us, getting us into the tech. We got to get Patrick Wood back to talk about the technocracy movement and how this plays a role in that. Hey, we're going to shift gears when we get back, and we're going to. We've actually got on. Um, Someone from the Reagan Library is going to be here to talk about a fabulous new exhibit coming in March. You're going to want to hear this, so don't go away. Hour two of the Andrea K. Show is on its way. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 